Hello, and welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Well, Renee, I'm happy to see you back here on episode six. I'm really excited to be at episode six. I think when we started this process, we read somewhere that most people kind of drop off with podcasts around episode six or seven. So this is a a little nice mini milestone. Uh, That's a huge milestone. Yeah, we're almost to the double digits, which is, I think, a good milestone too. Um, But yeah, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm doing really well. I had a very fun weekend in the city. I went to every summer New York has the Vove Polo Classic. It's sponsored by Vove Clicquot. It's a champagne brand for people who don't know. And it's just such a fun summer kickoff. Um, Everyone gets dressed up. So it's really great people watching. It's my third time going with some friends. And so that was really lovely. I, I did a drag brunch yesterday um, with some friends for Pride. Um, yeah, it was a great weekend. What's new with you? Also, I just love how you casually pronounce that word so eloquently. <laughs> like, I could never. I love champagne. So I, I've like made it my mission to know how to pronounce the, brand, the brands that I like. <laughs> brand ambassador over here. Like you're, you're the one. Maybe they'll be our sponsor one day. Um, maybe the day I can learn how to pronounce it. Setting goals. <laughs> You'll help um, manifest <laughs> for us. But I'm doing great. I uh, spent some time in actually our hometown because um, we're from the same hometown. Um, and I spent a lot of time with family, but I think even more exciting than that is, uh, today I booked, I booked a trip where you can actually, I can actually like whip out my passport. So it's a big, it's a big one. And I'm just like, this summer energy is real. Like we're a few weeks away from summer and I'm usually like a fall girl myself, but no, summer's Summer's taking the cake. I think just it's a great time to reset, relax. I want to. I want to live. I want to have a summer like a. I want to have a European summer. How about that? Yeah. The mindset of a European. Just what do you mean? Like I'm gonna be like out of office for seven weeks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I am gonna have a European summer regardless of where I am physically <laughs> or geographically. Yeah, I love it's a that mindset. Energy. It is a mindset. And I am a summer girly anyway. I mean, I love the sun. I love the beach. This is my favorite time of year. So yeah, I feel like this week, this past week is when it really started feeling real. Like the summer energy is coming. Everyone's getting their cute clothes out. They're booking their PTO on the calendars. Mm -hmm. There's just a lightness and like a vibrancy that's starting to, you know, we're all coming out of hibernation. Yeah, it feels good. It feels really good. And that's a nice reminder. If you weren't, um, if you listened to our last episode, take your PTO. Take your PTO. Schedule it out, folks. It's halfway through the year. I know. That's crazy that it's already like June. It feels it was January yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for this week, I'm excited because this is our first I'm going to call it a listener request. <laughs> that might be very generous. But I love it. <laughs> a friend of mine who 
I think she's listened to the podcast. She definitely knows it exists. Um, she sent this article to me and said, oh, I wondered what you and Melissa would have to say about this on your podcast. And I shared it with Melissa and we were chatting for a little bit. And then we both said, oh, maybe we should actually make this an episode. So the article, which we will link in the show notes, is called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway is Just Another Way of Making Us Work Harder. It's a piece by Sarah Macken in Refinery29. It ran a couple weeks ago, May 17th, 2023. And the gist of the article is that these motivational posts that we see all the time in our timelines and our feeds that might come up in conversation with people we know, feel the fear and do it anyway, or you don't grow when you're comfortable. I guess the the thesis of the article is, are these really motivational or are they supporting a toxic workplace where people are pushing too hard? And so to open us up, Melissa, what's your instinct? Like, what's your gut reaction to to this article? At first, I took a lot of notes. At first, I was like, oh, I didn't hate the quotes. I didn't hate – I think she mentioned a few. Like you mentioned it. Feel the fear. Do it anyway. You don't grow when you're comfortable. If you're not nervous, you're doing it wrong. It's giving very like hustle culture. Mm. And I know hustle is not people's favorite word anymore in 2023. I think it, quote, had an expiration date maybe in like 2021, especially COVID happened. and. It was very illuminating for a lot of people about the imbalance that everyone was having in their life. Not that I, I totally agree with that, but I don't hate the hustle culture. And maybe I have to be careful about how I word this because it's not that I think you need to grind, 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 and that's all that you do. Um, I think hustling and burning out and hustling till you burn out are two separate things. And I don't mm-hmm. agree with like, hustling to your burning out and then disregarding all other aspects of your life. But I do believe in hustling and working smart and working hard and balancing the two smart and hard, smart and hard. Um, so at first I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to, am I going to like this article? Cause like right now I, I, I'm kind of in like not team hustle culture, but and for me, like hus- the hustle is the mindset, like not necessarily. And I think this this is where the toxicity comes from is like the hustle culture at the company you're working at, where they expect you to work long hours and to work weekends and to consistently give, give, give. Um, I'm on the I err on the side of like hustling towards something that you set for yourself. And I do believe in stepping out of your comfort zone and and sort of hanging off the edge there a little bit every now and then, but balancing it. And so I think she she kind of eventually gets there in the article. And the biggest thing for me is just like finding that center mm-hmm. of of why you want to hustle in the first place. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I think the why is very important. Like, why am I doing this? And I also think the who is another big question. She talks in the article that we all have different 
levels of what too much means. You know, my version of too much might be different from your version of too much. My comfort zone might look different from your comfort zone. But I think also in addition to, you know, customizing it for ourselves, it's also, am I pushing myself into the fear because it's something I'm being driven to do or am I being pushed? It's like that Oprah meme, like, (laughs) were you silent or were you silenced? I think there's a big (laughs) distinction. I think if I'm having agency and I'm choosing because I'm a driven person. And so when I read the headline, I was, my instant reaction was, eh, I like motivational quotes. I, I like... I like people encouraging me to do more because I'm someone who likes to do more. We talked about this in our first episode. This is what this whole podcast is about. But I think that agency of I am pushing myself, I'm stretching myself to expand my limits and my capacity feels different than when someone else is trying to force me to expand when I'm not ready or when I'm not equipped or when it's just not in alignment. The why is not, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not on the same page about the why. I think that's when it, that's when it starts to err into toxic, but you know, I don't know, toxic and uncomfortable are two different things. I think you don't want to be anywhere toxic or in a toxic situation, but there is a lot that you can learn in discomfort within, mm-hmm. within reason, I think. Um. You mentioned something about encouragement and it's, I mean, even just just distill it even further. It's like, is the company or is this person being encouraging or are they being controlling? Mm -hmm. And so with the being forced to work long hours versus being encouraged, empowered to think outside the box and stretch yourself a little bit further, those are two different things. Like I think some, um, some even some examples in here were even around like uh like maybe presentations and like doing something at work that you're not necessarily comfortable in but it but your team your people like they're if you feel empowered to sort of like you know what I, this is this is a goal that i have and stretching myself to have let's say like a better executive presence mm-hmm. you need to be comfortable or grow into the comfort of um, talking to a group of people, having an audience. And at some point there has to be, you have to practice and you have to lean into the discomfort of that. For sure. I guess when you say grow into the comfort, I think that's very important because, you know, I like to think in these strange analogies, (laughs) but for me, when I was reading the article, I thought about the process of learning to swim, where there is a moment when you obviously learn to swim, ideally, in a safe, controlled environment. There's a teacher or someone who can swim, who's with you, you're supported, you feel protected, et cetera, et cetera, on and on. But there is a moment where you are either metaphorically or sometimes physically just thrown into the pool. And that's when you test your abilities to have I learned how to swim. Like there is that suspended moment of, I feel like I'm going to drown, 
but I didn't. And that's how I know now that I can swim. Like you're not going to, you're not going to know if you can swim unless you're in that uncomfortable situation to realize that I can get my head above water. And I, I worry when I read this that, I don't know, I just worry that the, that people think that you can skip that step. Again, no one's saying that you should feel like you're drowning all the time. I don't think that's healthy or productive, but you do need to have that moment sometimes, a little bit of discomfort. Again, in a safe environment, no one's saying like your discomfort should be, I'm burnt out and feeling like my mental health is run ragged. But, you know, there are things that you learn when you're trying something new that are going to feel uneasy. And through that uneasiness, you learn to do it better, do it more efficiently, do it with more finesse. And then it becomes something that you're comfortable with. Like you grow into the comfort of now I can just jump into a lake and I, I can swim. I can get up in stage and do a presentation for people. And I, I feel confident I can, you know, step a little bit outside of my comfort zone and try something new. And then when I look back six months from now, I'll see like how good it was that I made myself uncomfortable because now I'm, this thing that I wasn't good at, I'm now great at. So the discomfort is, yeah, it's a little important and you grow into it. You grow into feeling comfortable. And she did touch on that. She did touch on, um, I'm trying to see if I can find the quote about basically not necessarily constantly running on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree with that, right? Like there's – I don't think we need to live in discomfort 99% of the time. Um, I don't know what the appropriate ratio would be of being in discomfort if for like stretching yourself, you know, like yeah. living on the edge of comfort and discomfort. Um, but then always being able to find yourself back into that comfort. Whether whatever you define your comfort as, your comfort as your family, your comfort as being in your home, or just um, doing some, you know, volunteering, like whatever recenters you back. But we run the risk of if you're constantly in the circle of your comfort zone, that's when you may slip into autopilot. And so I think that's where, at some points, it you need to switch gears. You need to like switch the flip into, you know what? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I'm, I'm okay with where I am. Um, but I know in order for me to reach X goal, I have to do something about it. And so that's where the discomfort now comes into place of needing to step outside, step outside being in, in the zone, in the, in your comfort zone. Um, but, you know, and I think too, these motivational quotes, if we, we see them on social, it changes like my reaction to them. Sometimes like I just am not in a headspace to read them and I'm like, you know, not today. Mm -hmm. I I just want to, you know, turn it off and, and rest. But uh, yeah, I think it's all also all about your mindset of, of where you are too and if you are in a growth mindset or you've taught your your brain and your mind to grow or, or to look for things and to keep wanting more and, and getting better, um, you can find these inspiring. Um, but at the same time, there is 
it, I, I could see how it feels exhausting to want to keep growing all the time. Oh yeah. Wow. You just, okay. So you just hit a nerve in a good way. <laughs> um, I'm someone who loves motivational quotes. I, I do just find them very inspiring. I think I'm probably someone who has and not has is all like, it's still ongoing training myself to be in a growth mindset. And I am someone who really does try to look on the bright side. It, you know, so there's some situations where it's harder to do that than others, especially if I'm feeling depleted and exhausted. But I do try to, you know, have a mindset of what doesn't kill you does make you stronger or, you know, on the other side of the darkness is the light. Well, I mean, not that, but like, that was terrible. <laughs> but, you know, I do try to look on the bright side of things and find the lessons where I can and just find the nuggets of, you know, what the value is or the reason for every experience. And I personally have been told by people that that energy, that kind of not always on, but frequently on positivity can feel exhausting for them to be around. And and they've also sometimes, I've also heard hmm. that people kind of question the authenticity of it. Like people are like, oh, there must be some deeper, darker truth that you're just not sharing. Like you hmm. really, you know, like there's like a skepticism and it's coming from a good place. I don't think it's coming from an attacking. It's more, are you hiding? Are you, are you using like this article says, are you using this positive energy and this reframing to hide some darker vulnerability that you're just not comfortable sharing or that, you know, you're just, you're, you're doing too much of this positive spinning, but I don't, I th again, I think it's what the article basically lands on, which is that everyone's a little different. I think some people do just respond well. Like I respond well to motivational quotes. I have to restrain myself from not reposting half the things I see on Instagram <laughs> that I just think, oh, the art direction is really nice. Whoever the graphic designer is made it look attractive. And I, I believe that. Like I believe what you're saying. Like everyone's journey is different, but every step does take you in the right direction. Every minute makes a, a mile or, you know, like I, yeah. I, I feel that and it, but you're right. I recognize that it can be exhausting to always be in that space for some people. If, if that's just not your disposition or if that's just, you don't always have the energy for that all the time. I'm, you know, I might be, I, I can sway back and forth between being, a realistic optimist in a way, I suppose. I lean more optimist than I do pessimistic, I, I guess. But I, you know, I will say it less so bugs me or irritates me or triggers me um, in my personal life around positive spaces and, and reframing. For me, I think it's harder to absorb the positivity and I might find it more exhausting at work. Mm. And it's it's cert it's like certain type of positivity, and it's um and it's not positive people, you know that's not what triggers me. It's when there's a real issue at hand at a company, 
and no one is really digging enough to understand the root cause. And it just gets band-aid by positivity. And so that's where I think the toxic positivity for me comes from. And you just sort of like be in a position where think <laughs> oh gosh, off the pod, hot take here, where principles of a company are just thrown at you constantly, you know? And it's just like, this is exhausting mm-hmm. because you're kind of like telling me where I am in this company to keep going. We'll get through this. You've got this where layoffs are happening. Things are crumbling. You're not getting your, uh, you're not getting your bonus or, you know, like, and it's hard to keep that face and that positive when I feel like positivity is used as more of a control mechanism than in an empowerment. And you're not equipping me to be able to to do that in a way that is realistic and actually helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's where I find that exhausting. Um, I've personally never found your positivity exhausting. It's, it's refreshing. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, the, I usually get more so triggered when it's like at work. And so I can see if I, for example, may see a poster at my office, I might be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more than like my social feed. I, I I agree with you. I think I think when it does get, I don't want to say weaponized because that sounds like such a big word, but there are oh, times. Well, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, when when people do take positivity to mask, like you said, issues that need to be addressed. It's we've been through this awful thing, and instead of investigating why things were at that place. And so we can avoid them in the future. It's, well, at least we're on the other side. It's like, "Mm, well, (laughs) we still need to go back and kind of take a closer look at that (laughs) to make sure Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen again. Or we do need to look at what's happening currently, like in real time and not just put a smile on and, you know, or the, the what I'm trying to find like the PC way of saying this, uh, you know, back in the day, what people used to say is, you know, well, there's there's kids starving in some other country or there are people dying, you know, and it's like, yes, perspective is always important. And I don't think that, you know, we should just always complain like we all are. Most of us, at least in the Western world, have a have a degree of privilege, regardless of our individual circumstances. But that doesn't mean that things also can't be hitting the fan <laughs> in a really chaotic way. So yeah, I agree with you when it comes to work. One of the things I thought was interesting too that she mentioned in the article, you know, she says at one point sucking up the fear meant staying too long in a toxic work environment that triggered bouts of depression and a loss of self-confidence. In hindsight, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on, this fear was often my gut telling me something wasn't right. Melissa, how do you know when it's your gut speaking or just fear? Oh, where were you? And like, where was this question? February, 2022. (laughs) 
Um, I feel like they both communicate to each other. I don't, they, they, they both have to coexist, right? Like you're, I think you're always fighting which voice is louder at which points. Mm -hmm. And so the, the decision you ultimately make is both rooted in fear and rooted in your gut instinct. So, you know, I'll use a real life example. For me, I left a company that I would define as toxic. Um, I could, I can confidently define it as toxic, not just uncomfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. And I left without anything lined up. Um, I know I, I put in the two weeks, which is the time you have to a lot to do so. I transitioned all my work and uh, I was actually, we'll use the word forced to create a narrative of why I was leaving. And it wasn't the, my, it wasn't my truth. And that to me just also reiterated to my gut <laughs> that I was doing the right thing. So I think like maybe like the gut comes first, like my decision came first of like instinctually I know what needs to be done. And that was in my heart and it was in my head and in my gut for like months, if not multiple years. And it wasn't until I decided to like define that feeling and make the decision when the the fear started creeping in. And it's like, oh, but what if you don't find a job? Oh, but you do love 70% of the people that you work with. Oh, but you get to work on all these amazing clients. Um, I was at an agency. Are you going to feel that kind of like creative challenge in an in-house position? And that's when like the the fear crept in for me was like after my gut introduced the feeling. And then it was ultimately up to me to like balance the two and sort of like hush the voice of the fear. And it's like, no, I know I'm making the right decision. Mm-hmm. You can go away now. Like you can leave the party. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's just a, a personal story around how I've like trusted gut over fear or the balance between the two. What about you? Um, well, yeah, I, I'm glad that you made the distinction about your job because when I said like toxic versus uncomfortable, I wasn't discrediting that people do have toxic workplaces. I have been in them too. And to your point, you know, some, like you just know sometimes and you're like, this is not just like, oh, I'm having a hard time fitting in. You're like, there are a lot of tangible problems here. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, though, gut versus fear, I actually, I feel it very acutely in different parts of my body. And I think I, oh. yeah, I've, I've kind of started listening to myself in a way that fear I feel in my chest, like my heart races feels almost like a panic, like a mini panic attack if it gets really intense, but I can feel the fear in my chest. Whereas like my gut feeling, I really feel in the gut, in the abdomen. I have sometimes heard information or made a decision or said something out loud and immediately felt nauseous or conversely immediately felt that nausea dissipate. And it, and I know immediately like, whoa, that my gut is telling me that was the right thing to do or, whoa, what's coming is not for you. 
And then the fear, it's more of the heart racing, the clammy hands, the the kind of stereotypical, I'm about to get mm. stage fright kind of feeling. And so, you know, for example, when I made the decision to go live abroad for three months last year, that was very much a gut feeling. Like I had been having a lot of uh, just like, yeah, I was just in a rough period of burnout. I don't need to go into like all of the symptoms, but like I would just wake up in the morning and know this, this behavior is not normal. <laughs> like this feeling oh, is not right. Yeah. Um, and the minute I made the decision to go to this place with, even though I didn't have a lot of like Intel or real like descriptions on while I was, why I was doing this, I just felt in my gut, like in my actual abdomen that this was the right decision or I've been in situations where I've had uncomfortable conversations with people and my gut has had an immediate reaction. And I've said, whoa, okay, I got to pay attention <laughs> to what's happening right now. But when I feel it in my chest, that's more fear. And so for me, I can, if I feel it in my chest, I know that I can push through it. It's like, okay, that's just me getting nervous before a big presentation, mm -hmm. or that's me feeling uncomfortable because this conversation I'm having is maybe bringing up some things that I don't want to address, but it's not in my gut. So it's not something that's moving me into a space that's unsafe for me, but it is going to be uncomfortable. And so I, for me, I can actually like pinpoint like on a like chalk drawing of a body. If I feel it here, means keep going. If I feel it here, it means throw up a red flag. We got to see what's going on. <laughs> Can you teach a TED talk about that? Because I don't think my body communicates to me like that. Yeah, I don't. I and don't now I'm like looking back. Did. I don't know if it always did. I think it was uh. more like I just started listening yeah that's that really listening. obnoxious but <laughs> no no it doesn't I you know I I am someone who is just like my head is so heavy from the overthinking mm. the constant overthinking and I and I know this to be true and so when I look back now like you know your distinction this, and this distinction between fear and gut, I'm looking back on multiple decisions I've made in my life, not that we need to go through all of them. And I'm now questioning, did I do that out of fear or did I do that out of intuition? And this might have to <laughs> maybe save this for my therapist or save this for my journal. But yeah, I really love framing it that way and, and kind of framing situations in the future whether you're making like a big decision or you're going through a pivot or you're thinking about piloting a project or piloting and starting your own company. Um, what does that feeling for you do? And that's a great exercise. Like, do you get heart palpitations and do you feel like you can't breathe or is this more like a centering kind of feeling that you have in your body, which is what I would assume it feels like when with your gut, your abdomen. Um, geez, I guess I need to take a yoga class. Maybe from all the yoga you're doing. May maybe. Yeah. Like I can remember one time I and this was many, many years ago, so this is not a great example, but I had had a crush on this guy for so long. Like I think all semester I had a crush on him. 
And I was just like, he doesn't even know I exist. (laughs) He doesn't know I exist at all. And then that summer, somehow we like fell into the same friend group, or I probably like orchestrated myself into that group just to be around him. And we like spent a lot of time together and we started talking all the time. And I remember like we were forming like our own bond. So I was basically getting exactly what I wanted. But I think I had started moving on at that point. I think I was just like the moments passed this, this crush of several months. I think we've maybe just missed our window. And I remember the night he actually like, this is how old I was. This was on AIM, <laughs> AOL mess- instant messenger. <laughs> he messaged me and said, I like you. And immediately my gut soured and I felt like I wanted to throw up. And this is not because of him. Like he was a great guy. I thought he was super attractive. Wait, was- you said AIM? I probably yeah. know this person. Oh, we can you take- do. I will tell you after. <laughs> it was Off the pod. <laughs> I'll tell you off the pod, but it was so weird because it was exactly Mm -hmm. what I wanted and what I'd been wishing for for months. And the minute I got it, my stomach said, "Uh uh-uh, like this is not, either it's not for you right now or it was never for you and you really shouldn't have tried to intervene (laughs) and like force this situation by like working my way into his friend group. The universe said this is this is your karma for getting in the way. It's like getting in your own way. You're doing too much, girl. Like he's not for you. Like just stay in your lane. It, It was really weird. I remember I was like I texted one of my friends and I was like, I don't know why I instantly felt sick. Like this is what I've been like writing about in my journal for weeks, for months. And I just, yeah, it was a hard no. My body said, no, I know you think Mm. you want this, but this is not for you, girl. Um, (laughs) So I think I know who it is. Um, I won't say names. He was a great person. It had not like, it's nothing to do with him. Like he was lovely. It was, it was just not, it wasn't. You just knew you saved yourself a lot of trouble. My body knew before my head and my heart knew. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I wish younger Melissa listened to herself a little bit more. May have saved me a lot of trouble. Um, well, so a couple things too. I want to share about this article that I that I liked, and you know, I eventually ended up after reading the article understood kind of like her perspective and point of view. And I was like, okay, I see what you mean. And something that she mentioned was, you know, instead of everything having to be this like inspirational moment, so much main character energy. Instead, what if we normalized recognizing when a job no longer meets our needs or isn't as integral to our sense of self as we once thought? No amount of pushing past the comfortable can repair toxic worst plagues temper an unpredictable boss or lessen an unrealistic workload. Um, what I liked about that is like at the end of the day, yeah, I think we just all, I included in this like collective us need to listen to ourselves and um, start defining for ourselves. Maybe you're like a Renee whose body communicates and tells you, um, maybe all of our bodies do that and I'm personally just conditioned to ignore it or not listen and have my noise canceling headphones, even though my gut's like screaming at me. Um, for me, it's just like the voices are in my head versus any, anything else. And you at the end of the day, 
know what your comfort level is and how much you're willing to go past that for a certain goal, finding back your center and um yeah, I really I really liked it. Um and then one one last comment I have about the hustle culture cuz I want to share this resource. Um it was in Harvard Business Review or Forbes. I found a new resource, guys. Um it was an article in the BBC, but it was around is hustle culture is this like the end of like the rise and grind. And you know, I think it's worth a read to to they had some several examples around hustle culture. Um, but the best part I think I found here is I don't think it's like in a, they, not I, the article is not an evaporation of hustle culture. It's more of an evolution. Um, mm. and I was like, okay, thank you. Like, I think now, like, I think this is my, I, I share this point of view is I don't necessarily say, you know, want hustle culture to go away. I think we just need to evolve what that means and how we balance that with like <gasps> boundaries, <laughs> full circle, <laughs> full circle moment. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I want to read that article. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah. I think an evolution is great. Cause yeah, I think doing, doing any kind of hustling, grinding to, you know, she mentions in the article, anxiety, self-confidence, like mental health stuff like that's, that's not great. That's, that's actually mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. Don't um, do that. <laughs> don't do that. Like definitely give yourself the strength to recognize this is not serving me and that is okay. I can walk away. I think I, I really like that she ends on that, that positive note mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that you can, you can do that. Um, and you've shared this with me before. I, I think it's you. Maybe you, maybe it was one of the motivational quotes that you shared on your Instagram or something. Oh my God, I'm so where... cheesy. <laughs> it's okay. It's your brand. Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it said like you can change your mind. Yeah. Was that or was that Nedra? It's probably Nedra. We love we love, we love Dr. Nedra. Doctor Nedra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can change your mind. And I think I think also the stuff with the hustle culture stuff. I think if you want to opt into that, if that's just because there are people who love to work hard and want yeah. to do it in those kind of older traditional forms. And I don't think we should, you know, shame those people either. If that's working for you, that's great. Um, but I think it should be something that you're allowed to opt into and mm. also allowed to opt out of responsibly and opting out doesn't mean that you're lazy and that you're not a hard worker and that you're not committed. Mm -hmm. It just means that you have different boundaries and a different way of, of contributing what you are responsible for contributing. Your email inbox is full and you're unsubscribing. <laughs> yeah. I like that. When you say opt in, I'm just like email marketing. Opt out. Yes. <laughs> opt out. Yeah. As she says, um, stepping out of your comfort zone is only healthy when you have the tools to do so. Um, which I can, I like that, that you're allowed to, to get out of there, but mm -hmm. just make sure that you feel safe, um, and prepared. Like you've taken some swim lessons before they just throw you in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. We don't want that. Um, I love that. We'll end on that note, underline, un underline, 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 highlight in yellow, um, so thank you, uh, to your friend who recommended this for the recommended reading. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Listener request. Rechna for passing this along. This was great. Um, I enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think. 
It did. It did. Um, well, time for gold stars. Do you have any gold stars you want to give out this week? I do. Uh, I saw a really beautiful movie yesterday called Past Lives. It's directed and written by Celine Song. It's her first film. So we love a debut filmmaker, a woman, love that. And it's this really tender film about these two childhood friends who were really connected um, while they were growing up in South Korea. And then the woman, Nora, her family emigrates to Canada. And then she and her male friend, Sung are reunited in New York over 20 years later for this one week where they explore the choices they made in their life, what could have been, what still could be, if it, you know, if it even makes sense. And it's just, it's such a, it's just a really lovely movie. There's Yeah, I don't really know how else to describe it without going into what's so special about it or spoiling it, but it's it's very modern romance. I think if you like kind of moody French movies, you would like Mm -hmm. in the movies and like English and Korean. Um, I think the I think someone is saying one of the actors like German, so it's very international. But it was just it was so it was so tender. I just took myself on a little solo date um, before dinner last night, and Aww. it was a really lovely movie. And it's been showing up on a lot of like best movies of the year so far lists. So, um, Past Lives by Celine Song. If you um, if it's showing at a cinema near you, I recommend. So it's playing only in theaters right now. Right now, only in theaters. But I think it did really well at. Was it Cannes last year? One of the big film festivals. It was like mm. a, a shining star. So, a shining gold star, if you will. A shining gold star. Look at you. <laughs> uh, what's your gold stars for the week? Um, mine's a little basic, but you know, as I was like booking trips and um, I joined like uh, a book club at my workplace. It's it, we have these little like small communities that gather for twelve weeks, and so I joined a book club one. Um, it was the UK team and I'm the only person uh, in the book club from the US. So that's been really fun. Uh, love all the accents. And uh, so we've been doing a lot of reading and I've been doing a lot of reading. And so my gold star is just, you know, as much as I love physical books, I still love, love, love physical books. But I recognize how heavy they are. Um, a little bit more nomadic in my lifestyle these days. And my goals are just at the Kindle. <laughs> I'm like tried and one. true, just my little Kindle. I should probably name her maybe like Kennedy, Kennedy the Kindle or something. That's name cute. her Kenny. And yeah, just how much like easier and accessible it is to read. And um, if you all don't, if you all have a Kindle and you don't use the Libby app, like it's L-I-B-B-Y, you should. It um, ties to your local library. You have to like a local library um, card. And so you can have multiple uh, counties in there. So let's say your hometown is in North Carolina, but you also have a library card in New York. You can add both of those library cards to Libby and you can get in the queue and make tags and all this stuff to keep track of um, all of the, the eBooks that you're reading. 
So, you know, I will say some of the, like the more popular books, you may have to wait like 12 weeks, 18 weeks, things like that. But, um, you'd be surprised how like sometimes they get returned sooner uh, and then you get bumped up and then all of a sudden you got like five books. You're like, Oh, I didn't time that correctly. <laughs> I love that. Libby and Kindle. Those are great yeah. gold stars. <laughs> um, and I'll share my manifestation for the week as well. You always have great manifestations. I can't wait. Oh gosh. The pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one full circle moment in this podcast, I was scrolling Instagram and uh, saw a little motivational quote pop up on my feed. Uh, I don't know about like, well, no, it's motivational, but it was like a, just a good, like reminder refresher. And this is from an account. Um, I need to do more research on her, but her name is Annalie Howling. I'll link uh, her Instagram in this post in particular. Um, but her post was, you need to, f- sorry, let me say this one more time. You need to feel at peace more than you need to feel in control. Wow. <laughs> peace is a process of acceptance rather than a definitive destination. Um, yeah. Loved that. And you're. <laughs> I drop. I should have gone first. So we could have ended on yours. Your manifestations are like some of my favorite parts of these conversations because you always get great ones. Um, no, I love that. Um, my manifestation is probably a little basic. It's it's very common, but it's something it, it made me think it makes me think of my family. So my um like my mom and my 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 family, there are a lot of Christians in there, and so they always used to say this phrase growing up and it makes me think especially of my aunt for some reason I don't know why um Mm -hmm. but God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference so similar in vain to yours it's about control and just having acceptance so wow we were on the same wavelength today and we didn't even know very (laughs) Very much so. I don't know what the universe is trying to communicate to us, uh, but it's doing it in this podcast. I love that. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, before we sign off, um, we just wanted to give a quick heads up. Uh, We will be doing another book club episode on June 28th. And moving forward, we thought it might be fun to just let you all know what we're reading. So if anyone wants to read along, um, so that you're prepared before our conversation. No pressure, obviously. But on June 28th, we will be discussing a new book by New York Times bestselling author Bruce Feiler called The Search, Finding Meaningful Work in a Post-Career World. And we'll link that book in the show notes if you would like to get it wherever books are sold. Happy reading. This one I did buy physically. I did not buy on Kindle. <laughs> Same. So did I. <laughs> so I could highlight and do all the bookmarking and all that stuff. Um, but thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening. Open hearts, um, open ears. And we'd love if you have any comments, questions, or feedback um, on the on the podcast. We always put our email in the show notes. And that's pilotingpod at gmail.com.
And you can also follow us on Instagram. We are now social media content creators. Um, and you can follow us there for updates and just getting to know us better and um, a little bit more uh, off the pod conversations, if you will, when we're not recording an episode. So thank you again for being here and happy listening. Have a great day, guys. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.